to Two Girls, One Podcast, an MP3 file broadcast to you every week in 128 glorious kilobytes per second. This week, we try very hard to make Steve Jobs roll over in his grave, or as Tim Cook likes to call it, Tuesday. And now, here are your hosts, whose iTunes libraries consist of one Nickelback song on repeat, Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. Hello, and welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. I am Lindsay. And I'm and we are also joined by our producer, Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hey, ho. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> so nice of you to let him speak. Oh, my gosh. It's it's rare that we remember to introduce you. So, you know, be grateful. Uh, uh, pray, <laughs> w- prayer, prayer hands emoji that is what I would respond to. That. So we here relish the fact that we are millennials. This topic today is prime for those of us who were coming of age in the 90s baby <laughs> once you get into college in the year 2002 or whatever year us 90s babies were joining college you were like oh i love music i'm downloading shit from napster and then in the mid <laughs> we got fucking ipods and we could take our music everywhere Okay, so today we're looking at, there's apparently giant communities online of people that are all into their iPods. I guess you could, what's funny to me is it's almost like record players, you know, where it's like, <laughs> they're like refurbishing them, getting new parts. But what I lament is that the iPod killed mixtapes. Because I remember hmm. when I would go away for the summer, it's like, you know, you could only, I had a CD case, right? And it only held 10 CDs. So I would like make you know, put burn all my favorite songs onto these CDs and you could only carry them with you. And sometimes they would be more than 10 CDs and they were like quite heavy. It's like, and then you had to strategize, like, does this fit in the suitcase? How much music am I going to bring? Like, what <laughs> songs do I want with me for the summer? Yeah, these were real dilemmas. And now you can just make a playlist. Well, now you don't even have to, right? You can stream literally any song in the world from anywhere. It's really quite mar- magical. It makes me think of that, um, is it John C. Clark or something? Uh, um, any sufficiently developed technology is indistinguishable from magic, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. quite magical. If you had told us as children that you'd be able to listen to any song you want anytime, anywhere by clicking a button. I mean, that was completely. Yeah, uh, totally. It, I, I read some it was some shower thought or something probably on Reddit, which was like, imagine how rich you'd have to be to play music in your kitchen a hundred years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's really unbelievable. I mean, it makes me think like what else we're going to be able to do because there's so many things we're doing now that like are sci-fi, right? Like we will figure out, I believe we'll figure out how to teleport because it makes no fucking sense to me right now. But it, half the stuff we're doing right now, if you told anyone from the 1800s, they'd be like, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, all yeah. you have to do is just spit out the atoms on the other side. Like it's, we, there is a formula. You can do it. We're just, we are just atoms in a certain arrangement. If you can do it, you can do it. Yeah. That's going to be the wildest transformation. We don't even need flight anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also incredible that we 
advance, 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 and then we miss the thing that was a little bit more arduous than what we have now. Right? <laughs> it's like, um, oh man, I love my iPod, even though my phone can literally do what my iPod does, but better and faster. Mm-hmm. I just gotta, I just gotta stick it out with this iPod. It, it's so rad. Well, I kind of get it. It would be ni- like I'm so addicted to my phone, and sometimes I think it would be nice to be able to like, for instance, leave the house without my phone, but have all my music. Sure. I really get it because I actually still have an iPod Nano, <laughs> but I never remember to bring it with me. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's like, since my phone does all of that, but when I do have it and I don't have to use my phone, it's like so pleasant. I was just in the jungle for four days without access to the internet. And that was like an absolute delight. I just had to talk to people and, you know, I, I didn't even use it to listen to music because I hadn't downloaded things to my phone. So I just had to listen to like the sounds of the jungle. And it's nice to be able to feel life without being super connected, which Mm -hmm. is not something that we get to do that often. I don't think. Mm -hmm. I know now it's the luxury. It used to be a luxury to have all this. And now it's a luxury to not have. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's really fascinating. Well, I have a question for you about the media consumption habits, which is like, you know, you alluded to what I guess I'm going to call ritual. Like Ali, you were like, I have to make a mix CD and choose specifically what's going to be on there for my trip. I have to pull a record out and open it up and place it on the thing to then present this music to myself or my family. And now it's just like, oh, an algorithm can just play what I like. And and I'm, I'm not being an old man about it, but I'm just saying like, does infinite media, I can stream every movie and listen to every song, diminish the appreciation we have for a single item of media. And I don't know that it does or doesn't. I just, I think about that often. I don't know if you have any thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think rituals are nice and we have to just come up with new ones. Like like my ritual of doom scrolling before bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a good one. Get out of that one. But no, my friends are, I have a few friends who are very, very into music and it's cool. And I've always had friends that are cool music people and I just get to ride their coattails. But they are challenging our friend group to do an ultimate 100 song playlist, like your personal 100 songs. What's going to make the playlist? And when you share it with someone, what do you want them to get out of it? Like you have to be thinking about not only songs that are good that you like, but songs that are important. That's like a new thing that our friend group is doing. And I think you have to find those kinds of things. This is like the next level of making a mixtape for your friends, you know? Yeah, super mixtape. I love that. That's amazing. Are you going to share yours with us? (laughs) If and when I finish it, yes. going to pop it in the Discord. Yeah, I mean, part of me also thinks like these were rituals of teenagers. And so as an adult, Mm. it's saving me time. Sure. And... Now, I guess teenagers learn TikTok dances, which is not sarcastic. I actually think it's awesome that they mm-hmm. are learning dances together. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cute. Right. Gen Zers are going to be like, in my day, we had to scroll with our thumb to get to the next TikTok video. Now it's just in my brain. Now you just move your eyes. These kids. Yeah, exactly. Or like we had to learn the dance. Now the dance learns you. <laughs> I don't know. Well, now and now this haptic suit dances my body right, forward. It moves my Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What's funny is that teenagers kind of 
are the same. They, they stay the same throughout generations and across cultures sure. because I learned like the Spice Girls dances and the dances from like music videos. Yeah, but a meme that I really like is like people our age being like me and me and middle me and high school and then current high schoolers and it clips like their home video of them like dressed badly, looking ridiculous, like singing and dancing and it's like so bad and then it cuts to like modern teens on TikTok <laughs> looking like really quite like, like professional scary. dancers. They, like, sexy yeah, it's a little scary. Uh, yeah, the yeah, juxtaposition yeah. is really fun. Uh-huh. Well, well, when yeah. I was in, uh, when I was traveling for my birthday, I was in Colombia. We just decided to randomly take a train somewhere, which I don't know if is is actually safe. But we we took a train to like a random part of of Medellin, and we're on this hilltop, and there was this group of like tweens doing a TikTok dance, and it was so cute. <laughs> and we these geriatric millennials were sitting looking at the view and then we saw these girls doing the dance and we clapped for them and they were like all cute and embarrassed it was very cute so you know every generation has a thing well yeah and the good and bad is the globalization effects right where it's like the teens all over the world are doing that which is like kind of cool but also Mm -hmm. like not <laughs> like you know, it's so interesting to have regional differences. Well, they're dancing to different songs, which is cool. That's true. You know? That's true. It's kind oh, of yeah. You know, since television, it's been global. Since radio, even you know, it's like That's everything true. is just getting shared, and it's not new just because we can do it on our phones. Yeah. Yeah, ish though. That there was always like Japanese TV and British TV, and if you wanted to get music from another place, you had to get special imports of records or dvds or whatever and now it's 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 very frictionless i love cross-cultural pollination like that so i guess ali you're you know the pros and the cons are like you don't want to go to medellin and then eat at mcdonald's like that's not you don't want monoculture there you want to experience a unique culture but if everything's globalized and everyone shares the same trends and music then are we on a path to homogenization yeah. 500 years from now. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to know. If that's good or bad. It's hard to know. I, I think yes and no. And I actually think that younger people are getting, I don't know. I've seen, it, it's probably also just the things that I'm clued into, but I think younger people are trying to connect with their roots and their past and their trying to like learn more about where they are and where they're from in a way that we kind of glossed over because we want to know about everything. Mm, mm-hmm. It's also the opposite where like every single child watches anime now. Like every single right. child is A niche into thing anime. has become mainstream. Yeah. 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 The pendulum is swinging back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also generation. glad that like BTS is the boy band of this right. generation. Like yeah. it's not the Backstreet Boys. It's just a sure. bunch of beautiful little Korean kids. It's adorable. <laughs> Their videos are fantastic. Oh anyway, God. now that we've do- gone through this memory lane trip, I would love for us to go to trivia. Yeah, I'm going to take you back. Today's episode is about the iPod modding hacking community. We'll learn more about that in a minute. Uh, today's trivia is a very simple question. What was the first song, the first song ever publicly played on an iPod. Obviously, MP3s were probably tested at Apple and figured out or whatever, but for context, this was October 23rd, 2001. Apple CEO Steve Jobs 
gave a presentation at Apple HQ where he introduced the iPod to the public. This is the first time it had ever been seen. He touted it as 1,000 songs in your pocket on a device no bigger than a deck of cards. So when he finally demonstrated the device, he showed the screen with a camera and he was scrolling through a few playlists called like Monday Morning and Party Mix and Road Trip. (laughs) But he settles the scroll wheel on a playlist called Favorites and uh, these songs were on it, but which one did he play for the audience? Which song was the first ever? I'm gonna blind guess a Beatles song. Oh, okay, interesting, interesting. Mm. Uh, that's not on my list, but okay. <laughs> so that's wrong. Okay, cool, cool, okay. cool, cool. For context, again, October 2001, what did he play? A, Building a Mystery by Sarah McLachlan. Is it B, Porcelain by Moby? Or is it C, One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies? <laughs> I love all of these options. Ridiculous. <laughs> well, I know that didn't Moby have like a big iPod commercial that came out? I'm just going to go with Moby because of that, but okay. he seems mm. like the least likely option of the of the three. I'm going to go with C just for fun. Okay. It's bad. And it goes with the bare naked. That would be really energizing for your like reveal, I think. Yeah, for your for your hype, for getting the yeah, hype train going. Hype. Uh, Lindsay says, Porcelain by Moby. We will find out the first ever publicly played iPod song after this important break. All right, everyone. Um, We love all of you, but we especially love our vintage supporters. Everyone who you are about to hear donates to 2G1P at the $10 or more level via our Patreon at patreon.com slash 2G1P. And we would like to click through and thank each of you. So thank you very much to Wesley Cordell, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Kathy Phillips, Matthew Scott, Melissa Elliott, William, Kelsey Murray, Jessica Kybell, Ken M. You are all very much appreciated. And And we hope that if you enjoy the show and you would like to hear more of it, that you will consider donating at the $10 or more level and you will hear your name said live to tape. All right, Matt, tell us what was the song that introduced the world to the iPod? Yeah, uh, 2001, October 2001, Steve Jobs said, here's the iPod, and then he demonstrated it for an audience at Apple HQ. Was it A, Building a Mystery by Sarah McLachlan, B, Porcelain by Moby, uh, Lindsay, you chose that, or C, It's Bran, <laughs> One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. Allie went with C. Sticking with it? Yeah. The Bare Naked Ladies have to be so rich. Even if they weren't chosen, <laughs> their song is, their songs are like everywhere, everywhere. And kids know that. Anyway, okay. I, it's amazing. The- so what I think you're saying is, <laughs> if they had a million dollars. <laughs> they do. They absolutely do. They, they do at least have one million dollars. Okay. Uh, I'm going to play a clip from this October 2001 presentation. This is the voice of Steve Jobs bringing the iPad, uh, not the iPad, excuse me, the iPod to the audience for the first time. I've edited this clip down so it's a little more concise, but this is him demonstrating it, uh, the voice of Steve Jobs. Here you go. $100 (laughs) if you can find them on the internet. I thought it was going to be Trader Joe's. I really thought it was going to be Trader Joe's. (laughs) I do not have a Trader Joe's clip. Okay, here is the real answer. We looked at this and studied all these and that's where we want to be and we are introducing a product today that takes us exactly there and that product is called ipod ipod is an mp3 music player 
has CD quality music, but the biggest thing about iPod is it holds a thousand songs. Your entire music library fits in your pocket. Let me show you how iPod works. There's nothing like a demo. You can just go through these. I can pick a playlist here. And I've got my favorites playlist. I can just search through my playlists. I'll just pick uh, favorites here. And, uh, you know, just pick any song I want to. So let's pick that one. I can change the volume oh just again God, by moving Sarah the wheel. McLaughlin. Wow, powerful, baby. That's feminism. Very simple. Love her. You know what? I think if you had really played clips of each song so I could really get back into it and feel the mood, I might have chosen Sarah McLaughlin. That's fair. It feels like a little inspirational that those those chords like yeah we're doing this you know mm-hmm. yep yep agreed wow also sarah mclaughlin uh she probably donated her voice to those sad commercials but if she's getting paid <laughs> every time there's a crying child or animal sure. it's sarah mclaughlin yeah uh, the humane society right or aspca yeah. Yeah. i, I yeah. don't know which one i just feel sad and i give my money yeah 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 <laughs> Well, that's rad. Okay, now on that high note, let's welcome our guests today. First up, we have Michi, who by day is a biologist, which is very cool, but by night makes iPods do things that they were never meant to do, which is arguably even cooler. We also have with us Austin Lucas, who is the owner and operator of Elite Obsolete Electronics. Hello and welcome to the show, both of you. Hello. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so um, we are talking about iPod mods. So I guess I would love to know about, I guess, where the love of iPods came from for each of you. So Michi, will you tell us when you first fell in love with iPods and how you make them do things they were never meant to do today? (laughs) I think a lot of it is to do with nostalgia. I've got my first iPod in 2005, and I have lots of good memories of it, like going to and from school, listening to music, watching funny videos with friends during lunch breaks. But that iPod sort of grew up along with me, so it stayed with me up until university, and it's interesting to see how the music library on it grew as well. It kind of matured, and over time, there are more and more tracks from different genres kind of representing almost like different chapters of my life. And it's almost like a time capsule because right now I still have it and it still works, but it's kind of in my treasure archive now. I don't want to break it or anything. I see. So I've got lots of good memories of it. Yeah, I also really like tinkering with things. And that's one of the cool aspects about iPods. They're an old technology. They're very well understood and they're very easy to open up and work on. Huh. I I like that it's kind of like your you know, like the blanket that Linus has in Charlie Brown, that's your iPod. And like, you just take it everywhere with you, you know, (laughs) that's great. Okay. Austin. Yeah. I was a child, of course. Uh, I'm 26 now. And back when I was growing up, iPods were the number one coolest thing, easily the best toy uh, any kid could get back then. And for me, they were sort of out of my reach as far as what I could ask my parents for, for birthday or Christmas. And when I grew up, I always had it in the back of my mind that whenever I was able to, I really wanted to get one because boy, they were so <laughs> cool. And when I grew up uh, throughout college, I worked fixing iPhones and iPads, pretty much whatever someone had that came through the door, I would fix. And I had to drop out of school and I had to do some soul searching. And I wanted to start a business and I had to think about what I loved and it was iPods. And so 
I've been pretty much buying broken iPods, fixing them for people, upgrading them for people, and also selling replacement parts. Wow. How did the two of you discover that there was actually this large online community fascinated by iPods? So I actually started modding iPods way back in 2005, but it wasn't the hardware mod. It was mostly software focused. One day I found a software called iPod Wizard, and that lets me make my own themes. So I started changing the colors around the operating system. And then further down the line, I found this thing called iPod Linux, which is an entire new operating system for iPods where you can install apps and games. And this was way before the iPhone and the App Store even existed. So um, I went ahead and installed a Game Boy emulator and then started just casually playing Pokemon on an iPod in front of my friends who were just listening to music. And they were just fascinated by it. Oh. That would have blown my mind back in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fast forward to 2019. One day I was just randomly looking for a flea market and I found this old iPod mini that was broken. So I was looking online about how to fix it. And there were these, just these guides about how to replace the hard drive with flash storage. A few months later, this certain YouTuber called Dankpod starts making these videos about iPods. And this guy's just so funny and clever. He just made iPods completely explode in popularity. And that's how the community also grew. Wow. So iPods have are old enough to have had a resurgence already. <laughs> yeah, I think, Ali, you were saying this, or someone was saying how they're kind of like record players, where it's old and maybe yeah. not even as useful as the ways we listen to music now, but people are very, very committed to them. Is is that what you found inside of, of this iPod mod community? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, you have quite a lot of people who are like me and they have nostalgia, but then there are many members of the community who are actually born after iPods and they've discovered iPods through various YouTube channels or online communities as such. They really love iPods the same way as we do, even though they were born after them. And they're just fascinated by how iPods are kind of like a really interesting starting point for electronics modding because how well they're understood, you can open up, change them, and then they learn the basics of electronics from there and move on to other things like phones, tablets, and PCs. So how large is this community and where are they interacting online? I mean, I would say personally, it's really not that big of a community in terms of sort of the grand scale of the internet and even within the Apple online social ecosystem. They've sort of been forgotten, and I think that's why people have such a strong emotional response to keeping them around. Mostly, I think it's the music that people have a response to. Uh, one interesting thing that I found, my customers, there's a good chunk of them, not all of them, who are sort of in middle age, and they've been collecting music on iTunes for two decades and spent ungodly amounts of money on the iTunes store, uh, like I think we all probably have. But when their old iPod breaks, they want to buy a new one instead of transitioning to Spotify or Apple Music or God knows what else. Interesting. All right. Um, but there are, there, are different, there are different places that um, y'all are interacting online, though. So what are those places for our listeners and what are the sizes of the groups? Um, so there's, first of all, the subreddits. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably the biggest pool of people. How many members are there? Um, so iPod, we're looking at 27K. Okay. Okay. The Reddit iPod community, which I moderate, is one of them. There's a Discord community, which is tied to the subreddit, where people can come on and just sort of enjoy iPods together, ask questions, ask for advice, and maybe do a little showcase. Outside of that, I mean, there's a few channels on YouTube. There's some stuff going on on Twitter. I know Michi uh, posts bangers on Twitter <laughs> all day. Highly recommend the follow. So there are multiple Discord communities as well. We have the main r slash iPod server with tens of thousands of followers. But then that's kind of a general discussion place. So 
general retro stuff, not just iPods, but social stuff. And then we have more dedicated and technically focused servers like the iPod modding community. Uh, there's another one called Just Another iPod Community. And there's also an archive one that's dedicated to looking at old firmwares and games and such. But what's really interesting is I've discovered a number of international communities. In particular, I found this Japanese community on Discord where they've sort of grown in isolation from the English-speaking communities. And um, with my limited Japanese, I tried to kind of act like a bridge between them and the English communities and showing how each of them have kind of developed their own kind of style. It's really interesting. Yeah. And so what are the main um, things that are being discussed in these different communities? I assume, like, what are the most popular modifications and or how, is, how are they assisting each other? The most popular modifications, I would say, are the battery and hard drive replacements. And the reason is many people are finding their old iPods in homes and these are the first parts to fail. So they just want to get their iPods working again. But within the community, we have a term called flash modding. And this is when you take a hard drive and replace it with flash storage using an adapter. And this is one of the easiest ways to fix a broken hard drive and to also increase the storage. I've seen some people do some crazy mods where they increase the storage up to like two terabytes or something like that. Wow. I, I sell two terabytes, by the way. Yeah. If you want two terabytes, go to <laughs> Obsolete. You could fit like 50 songs on that. That's yeah. major. At least. You could fit about 100,000 on two terabytes. That's insane. <laughs> Why would you need that much? Honestly, I don't know. You're like, I just sell it. People do what they want with it. A lot of it. porn. A lot of porn on the iPad. I try not to ask questions. I try not to bother my customers. <laughs> but what are, what are the ways that the communities are helping each other make modifications? Uh, so within the community, we have quite a few people who are very specialized in electronics engineering. And so they often give general advice, but also some people who just like exploring hardware. So um, I actually do quite a lot of hardware stuff as well, in, in addition to software. I try to work on things that people don't even think of. So for example, something that I'm quite well known for is the haptics mod for iPods. iPods have never had any kind of haptics in them. And what they do have is this tiny little clicker, which I find kind of redundant because when you scroll through the menus, it just makes a clicking noise that distracts other people around me. And so one day I thought, what if I could replace this with, I don't know, say, a haptics engine? And um, that kind of opened up a whole kind of worms looking at how haptics works. And the general answer is the most common vibration motors for phones don't work in the same way as speakers. That is until I discovered a haptic engine, which is the vibration motor used by Apple. It's actually just a marketing term for the linear resonant actuator. And it works a lot like a speaker. Um, so much so that when they drive the haptics and iPhones, they actually use sound files to drive the vibration motor. And that got me thinking, this sounds quite promising. So um, I just took a soldering iron, removed the clicker inside an iPod, and wired it in, and it just worked. And I thought, this is really cool. I've got to share this with the community. So I started posting on Discord and showing people how these work. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of interest in it. Wow. Yeah, so initially, it was just the haptics, but I couldn't quite get it to work as the way I wanted, because my aim was to try and replicate the sensation of using a mechanical dial when you use a click wheel. So um, I made the mistake of going Google and searching, how do I make my vibrator stronger, which um, <laughs> brought up 1,000 reasons why I should be using safe search. Yeah, <laughs> you can share those with us later. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but in all seriousness, though, I discovered a whole branch of science called haptoacoustics, where they study the relationship between sound and touch. I've just been looking at all this literature about how people have built these vibration motors for phones and how they can replicate these kind of sensations like physical clicking or mechanical dials. I've been sharing all this literature with the community, and I believe many other people do very similar research as well in other fields too. And that's being sort of the way people discuss things on these communities. Mm -hmm. I 
heard a rumor there were some iPods that did some traveling. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you heard about WorldPod, huh? Yeah. Tell us more about WorldPod. And have, <laughs> have either of you met WorldPod in person? I have. Okay. I'm not familiar with the concept. <laughs> so... One day on Discord, someone said that they have this iPod Mini that wasn't working, and they posted a picture of it, and it's looking really sad, like it's missing half its bits, and yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> a bunch of people came offering to fix it, but the problem was everyone was in a slightly different place, different countries, different locations, and so somebody joked saying, what if we send it to one person to fix one thing, send it to another person, and it just ended up halfway across the world, and that's exactly what happened. We had rules. Each person could only add one thing. And then each person would add one track to the iPod's music library before signing their name on the outside and then sending it to the next person. So this iPod traveled from, what, Sweden to Netherlands to Spain. And then I was the first point of contact in the United Kingdom, where it then traveled to Wales and Scotland and all the way to the United States, where it did a tour of multiple states and such. And um, at one point, someone had connections at Apple. So they actually brought this iPod all the way to Apple's HQ and posted pictures of this iPod just casually sitting there in their gardens or in a cafeteria. And it's nuts. And um, at the moment, I think the iPod is still in the United States. It's currently on pause while we decide what to do with it. You better send that thing over to Kansas. I'll take a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to them about it. Okay. So I'm mean, also, if you have a picture of that, could you send that to us and we'll post it in the Discord? Multiple pictures I can show. Yeah. That's great. That'll be great. Okay. So do these people, everyone who's like touched WorldPod, did you find each other through a Discord? How did, how did people get connected to this particular project? So this was through another Discord server, but it wasn't really related to iPods. It's just something that we all happened to look at and we wanted to share. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. I would love to hear about maybe some of the most interesting or impressive mods that either you have done or you have witnessed. A really impressive mod I've seen is someone replacing the old 30-pin dock connector on an iPod with USB-C, which completely modernizes the iPod, because now you can just use it with any modern charger. Oh. I worked out how you could build your own batteries for iPods. Um, so lithium batteries, they tend to use a universal kind of chemistry. They're all pretty much the same. So technically, you could take a battery from something, modify it, and get it to work on something else. And so I worked on this crazy project where I took apart this iPod and... I studied how the internal space was used, found that I could replace the hard drive with this flash adapter, but I had to saw it in half just to make it small enough so I could free up space. And then I took a battery from a power bank and ripped off the safety chip from an iPod battery, stuck it on there, put it inside the iPod, and just went to see how long it could run for. This experiment actually only just finished a few days ago. The iPod was originally meant to run for 12 hours, but after this upgrade, it ran for 72 hours. <laughs> oh, that's a big upgrade. That's nice. Wow, that's rad. So it just meant that if I used it a bit every day, I wouldn't need to charge it for an entire month. <laughs> wow. Uh, it sounds like iPod modding is a bit of a gateway drug into modding other things. What would you say is the general route? <laughs> Good question. Like, first you start with iPods. What are you fixing up next? I'm not too sure how to answer that question because I started with, like, computers. I'd fix computers, and then I went to iPhones and uh, iPads, whatever. And then I went to iPods, sort of, because I had felt like I'd seen all there was to see in terms of, like, iOS stuff. And I wanted kind of something new uh, to tickle the, the brain and stumbled upon iPods. And there's quite a big rabbit hole. It may not seem like they're too sophisticated, and they're not. But there's a lot of information that's just sort of been forgotten. 
that we have to unearth. Yeah. They used to be all over the place. Um, people used to own iPods, almost everyone. And there were repair shops dedicated to fixing these iPods when someone breaks them. Uh, and all those repair shops, they sort of had this pool of knowledge about them and uh, intuition. And when the iPhone came out, they all sort of transitioned their business to iPhones and sort of followed the money. Right. By the time I entered in 2019, there was sort of just a big void of people who were technically skilled with iPods and had the, uh, the means and the will to actually uh, provide a service relating to them. It kind of speaks to this disposable nature of a generation of technology of like, oh, we don't care about th- the world doesn't care about this. We've moved on because this is so much better. And then there's just like millions of devices that are either thrown away or in a drawer, like you said, mm-hmm. and that knowledge just goes away. It's kind of like this gap for the moment. And you, you Austin, you found yourself uh, right at the epicenter of like a resurgence mm-hmm. of interest and nobody knows how to fix them. So you guys are right, right there, ready to, ready to serve, I guess. Yeah. It's been a journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. What are, who are some of the other enthusiasts? Are there people who are like, iPod enthusiasts, but they aren't actually fixing them up. Like I'm imagining that's mostly your customer base. Who are the people that are, they're coming to elite obsolete? Oh, well the biggest in terms of buying iPods that have already been modified that are ready to go. Um, I think the biggest gap are those people who'd been working on an iTunes library for decades outside of that. I'm not too sure. I know there's musicians and I can understand that, you know, they finish working on this file and they don't want to put it on the cloud, whatever. They drag it onto iTunes, plug it on their iPod and, you know, you can listen to it in the car. I try not to bother my customers too much. I don't really have like a Q&A of like, how'd you hear about us or anything like that. <laughs> I feel like people will judge you if you walk in a public with an iPod, but there's more people than you think. That gets at a, one of my, it's a kind of a stupid question. Are, I understand that person who spent thousands of dollars on MP3s from iTunes mm-hmm. and they don't want to leave that behind. Totally get it. Can't you use iTunes on a on an iPhone? Am I stupid? Is that a dumb question? It's not a dumb question because that's what I do, honestly. Okay. Like, why do they need to go back to the old thing if they already have a smartphone? Uh, I mean, usually because they're typically middle-aged. Okay. Yeah. Um, I personally use my iPhone with Apple Music. I think it's the best iPod that Apple ever made. Not to say I don't have iPods or something like that, but you can't beat I, tens of millions of songs at your fingertip with 5G and all this other incredible technology that's here in 2023. It's sure. You're sort of fooling yourself if you think that an iPhone is not the greatest iPod ever made. <laughs> that's sort of where the obsolete part of the lead obsolete came from. I'm not trying to convince anyone that an iPod is better than an iPhone. I'm just here to provide the service to people who are enthusiastic about it like me. So there's two markets. One is like a hobbyist enthusiast market and the other is sort of like all my music's on this thing and that's the way it's always been. And I don't really want to learn a new thing. So just fix my iPod is kind of like that second market. Got it. And I assume you guys are pretty big advocates of the right to repair. Um, But I was wondering, are you involved in that movement? How has that affected you? Right to repair is very important. In terms of these iPods, they've been neglected for so long that I don't think anyone has a problem accessing replacement parts or uh, there's no legal barrier uh, like there is with some newer parts for like smartphones it doesn't really affect the ipod sphere all that much the right to repair but obviously i'm a big advocate being in the industry for since 2015 i agree 
I think it's kind of sad seeing how modern smartphones are almost seen as disposable. Like if you break one part, even if you have the right part to fix it, they are locked to the motherboard or something like that. With older technology, you don't have that kind of limitation. You can just swap parts around. And I think that's really awesome. But it's also sad that this knowledge is slowly fading away. So many of these servers, we try to preserve this information. We try to share it and make it as easily accessible to as many people as possible. Like, it's really sad to see technology being just ending up in landfills and such. Not only is it wasteful, it's really bad for the environment. Things like lithium batteries, they're very toxic. And so if you can give a new life to an older device, well, that's great. You're saving the environment by not using as many resources, and you're stopping these things from getting leaked into the earth. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just interested in the people who are using these because you know i'm not like seeing people walking around with an ipod that much like listening to them Mm -hmm. i don't know can you even listen like are people modifying them so they can listen to them with like airpods and and wireless headphones so you're right there is actually one section where people work on modernizing ipods uh traditionally ipod classic they don't have Bluetooth transmitters. And that's one area of research that several people are working on. They've successfully integrated Bluetooth transmitters and paired these to... Including me. Yeah, including mm-hmm. elite obsolete stores. And yeah, they've successfully integrated these Bluetooth transmitters and they managed to pair these iPods up with newer technology like AirPods or speakers. That's just what I was like. I, I don't even know how people are listening to these. It's like, I mean, I had to order headphones that plug into this computer (laughs) because I didn't have any. It's just interesting. And now most computers don't even have a jack where you can plug headphones in. It's crazy. That modernization, I'm starting to see the Venn diagram of people here where it's like, I I went into an antique store recently and they had taken old radios, like vintage, cool ass looking radios and took the guts out and put a Bluetooth speaker or Bluetooth receiver in there Mm -hmm. so that you can play modern music, but on this old transistor radio. And I'm like, that's cool. And they're charging like $200 for it, you know? And now I'm starting to see that of like, there's something cool about, hey, here's a Gen 1 iPad. Look how retro and clunky it is. Oh, but by the way, I can connect it to AirPods and it's Mm -hmm. stream Apple Music on it or whatever. I'm fascinated by nostalgia. I'm this way with old video game consoles. I I love to touch them and put them on my shelf and look at them, but I have no interest in plugging them and playing them. Like I will just emulate or pay for subscription services for old games. So so it's interesting. I'm trying to dissect like are you are if you're nostalgic for the music, the media, then like you're good. Like you don't need an iPod, but if you're nostalgic for touching the buttons, mm-hmm. then that's who this is for, right? Yeah, you could say that. I th- I think so. There's definitely like a tactile need uh, in some people nowadays who have been so used to touching glass and tapping on it. Hmm. And- mm-hmm. uh, so as an aside, um, I know you can't see me, but right next to my computer right now, I have a shelf full of Game Boys arranged in chronological <laughs> order. <laughs> exactly what you were describing. Excellent. Yes, that's that's coming together in my basement as we speak. But you know what else is occurring to me too is like, hey, let me just put on this song that I love without 45 notifications distracting me from what I was mm. just about to do. That's the other thing about having your life in your smartphone when you just want to like put on some jams, you know? Is that a thing yeah. for people? I think yeah. a lot of people talk about things like digital uh, digital detox where they want mm-hmm. to move away from their smartphones and away from all these notifications and possible distractions from apps. They just want to enjoy the music without any kind of interruptions and that 
is one of the bigger areas that that iPod seemed to fill in for. I know I said I use my iPhone for most music, but I do actually have two iPod touches, one that I keep at the headquarters uh, office space that's plugged into the receiver uh, just to play music. And then I have one that stays at home that I use exclusively to watch YouTube when I'm done with <laughs> the workday. And, you know, I don't want the notifications or iMessages or anything. Mm-hmm. So there's absolutely, that's a huge factor. Is this specifically iPods? Are other MP3 players getting any love in this post mp3 player world zune there are some zune <laughs> enthusiasts there's some zune heads out there <laughs> i've never worked on a zune i took a look at the marketplace and i saw there really weren't too many actual zunes physically like still in existence and it seemed like it would be pretty difficult to find enough working ones to get together to sort of pull all the good parts together and refurbish them I sort of saw like a lack of supply and I was like, that seems a bit (laughs) short, but I know there's people who love Zunes for whatever reason. Uh, As far as other players, I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. I'm not sure if anyone else can, but I would have been hard pressed to remember a Zune existed. So I don't think I ever saw one back in the day. I do not know what this is. (laughs) The Zune was a competing music player created by Microsoft. And I think it's because of the ubiquity of iPods that the spare parts are so available right now. And that's why they're so easier to mod. Whereas with something like a Zune or any other generic music player, it's harder to find parts for them. And additionally, many of them use proprietary software, meaning that you can't just put music on it. You have to use this software to put the tracks or videos. And the problem is many of these are now discontinued. And that means that you can't really install these softwares on your computer and you can't manage them or set these things up anymore. So they're effectively bricked. Huh, yes, I didn't think of that. Okay, does so so if you plug an i uh, an iPod 1, whatever that was called, iPod. the iPod <laughs> into a modern laptop with iTunes on it, it will work? Yes. Okay. Even with the latest macOS Ventura. <laughs> the only asterisk is you have to manage it through the Finder application not through the Apple Music application okay. on the newest Mac OS, but mm-hmm. it's still fully supported somehow. Huh. And I thank Apple yeah. for that. I thank them for still hosting the operating system on their servers. Yeah, because if that goes away, then, then it really is all over because of this proprietary exactly. uh, nature. Interesting. So that's why the community have actually developed some of their own tools. Um, I am aware that there are hmm. some softwares people have made that can completely replace iTunes and manage iPods without any kind of Apple control. Wow. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I would say that iPods are not fully supported by Apple, but they're still providing the software. They're still providing the end user a way to manage the library. So they are somewhat supported. It's probably one of Apple's longest running software support situations. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. if that's true or not, but Mm -hmm. thinking about it. Cool, cool, cool. Weirdly, right before this interview, I... I'm at a friend's house and there was an old iPod <gasps> sitting on the floor. Allie, bring it oh, back. Oh, I'll play with it. I have an iPod Nano or something somewhere. He was actually thinking like, should he save this as like a relic to display the way like people use floppy disks <laughs> as coasters, you right, know? Exactly. <laughs> right. Like, exactly. oh, here's my iPod, you know, I don't know. It's, it's wild how fast everything is changing because yeah. To me, they don't seem that old, and they were very short-lived, really. Yeah, maybe like mm-hmm. a decade. Compared to other technologies. iPods yeah. had a decade run, and that was it. But that's the same for, like, Discmans and Walkmans. They all only... No, weren't they all... Uh, a Walkman? They were longer than that, weren't they? I don't know, though. What year What year was the Walkman invented? So it was, like, 88 to 99, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that was an overlap, because there were Discmans from, like, 92. But, uh, but I'm still fascinated by the... The convergence of the smartphone is like a monumental moment in, in history because like for 
you know, a hundred years, this phonograph plays music or this radio plays music yeah. or this record player, this yeah. CD player, it's a music device. And yeah. then the iPod was a music device. Yes. And then all of a sudden, everything, TV, yes. movies, pho- communication, music, all on your phone. That moment was yeah, like I agree. explosive technology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something interesting I noticed is that when smartphones first came out, all the applications, they were more or less sort of references to physical objects we used to have. <laughs> yes. Maps, cameras, compasses. And when the iPhone first came out, the music app wasn't called Music. It was called iPod. Oh, wow. Mm. That's the truth. (laughs) I mean, look, we're making a podcast right now. Exactly. No one's going to listen to this on an iPod, (laughs) let me tell you. That legacy is is with us all the time. It's true. Absolutely. Mm. There is sort of a, not an argument, but a a big picture idea of, you know, I'm fixing all these iPods and they're original state obviously they're broken or abused they've been recycled but ultimately what i'm doing is sort of gentrifying the ipod supply (laughs) at least here in the u.s that's true it sort of does i don't know i i have been worried about it tightening the supply but i've never seen any consequences of that i mean apple sold tens of millions of these ipods in the u.s here not to mention worldwide but it's sort of like a big picture, sort of one day we're going to run out of these things, right? Mm-hmm. And there's also the idea that what about preservation? You know, everyone that I fix or upgrade for an end user is another one that's not being preserved in its original condition. So it's sort of a interesting situation there. You were you were saying you're sharing knowledge and saving knowledge on the Discord and stuff, but are you in touch with the Internet Archive or any, any of those archival groups? Because the schematics and the knowledge that you are recovering needs to be preserved by like a nonprofit. Like Discord will go out of business one day at, you know, two, two, 20 years from now, whatever it's going to be. So I don't know, just a thought. Well, in terms of me, the stuff that I'm archiving is um, the actual physical methods, you know, of opening right. the thing and, um, you know, what to do from there and stuff like that. And that's all on YouTube mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the software files that can actually be uploaded, I'm pretty sure we're doing a good job. Uh, that's not quite my thing. I've had a few prototypes come in that, where we've, taken the firmware off of them and had them archived. I'm not sure if they ever ended up on archive.org, but I know they've made the rounds. That's great. Uh, I don't think they are, but I have seen several archives on there that do contain things like iPod firmware. It's a good idea. Um, I am also in the, I'm also in the process of backing up the content from the Discord servers and one day perhaps uploading them to the Internet Archive too. Oh, cool. Excellent. Yeah, very important. Very important. <laughs> uh, Michi, do you have a favorite iPod commercial? <laughs> favorite iPod commercial? <laughs> the Moby one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I... I'd say it has to be the dancing silhouette. It's just so iconic. When mm-hmm. people say iPod, that's what they think about. Oh, yeah. It's true. I remember in college, people went as those people for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. What about you? Mine would probably be the U2 iPod. I think it's the wide iPod video with the U2. Oh, I remember that one. It sort of pans out and then zooms. And it's the tagline is, listen to your music. It gives me chills every time. I love that one. I'm not a huge YouTube fan, but something about that little 30-second snippet always gets me. Wow. Well, thanks for bringing us home with your own question. That was good. Thank you. I love it. Thank you all for joining us and reminding us how what a sweet and innocent time before. The times before. That was a very, like shockingly sweet episode for something that's kind of very technical. (laughs) Awesome. Do you remember your first iPod, Allie? I do. I remember receiving it for Hanukkah when I was in college (laughs) and it blew my mind. You know, I remember being like, wow, like this is 
I mean, it was an incredible milestone, as we were talking about earlier. Like, you used to have to select your music and carry around these really heavy cases. And what about you? Yeah, I remember the the little white click wheel. I always felt like my friends had cooler music than me. So, or they were tapped in because they had older siblings and stuff. I listened to a lot of musicals. That was what I did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I still do. I wasn't doing that. That's (laughs) interesting. We were all the same age, I think. So were you downloading from Napster and Firewire and then putting it on your devices or no? You're ripping CDs? I was uploading CDs CDs to my computer. I also did, I think I did have Napster and LimeWire for a little bit. I would, you know what I would do? I would download live concerts that people had uploaded and I would put those on, I would download those from LimeWire and and Napster and then put those onto my iPod. Because you could not buy those in a store. They were unique. That, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was really into that. I weirdly had a lot of John Mayer. That's very Mm -hmm. weird. A lot of live John Mayer albums. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) You know, think what you want about John Mayer, but he is excellent songwriter and an excellent guitarist. Yeah, he used to want to be the best guitar player in the world and then he realized you there will always be someone better at the guitar than you because I guess because he never wanted to be the best singer, he was like, I'm all right at this. I'll just be a singer. And now he's <laughs> rich. Yep, he did pretty well. Um, I do have a <laughs> confession. Yeah. Yes. I had a Zoom. <gasps> Of I course did. you did. I think I did. I think I did because I was never an Apple person. Okay. Didn't even know it was a thing Zoom. till today. Didn't know it existed. What was it like? It was fine. It was like a slightly clunkier iPod. That's all it was oh, to clunkier. my memory. But I just, I don't remember like loving it and having it for a long time. I remember using it for a t- some amount of time and then like not using it anymore. And I don't remember why. Because you got an iPod. It became obsolete. Yeah. Never had an iPod though. You never had an iPod. No, never did. Oh, wow. Weird. Huh. I had an iPod. I had a Nano. You didn't want to rip the blue light specials onto an iPod? I mean, I was printing my own CDs <laughs> at one point. That's high school band, everyone. Just yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> that would have been pre, that would have been pre iPod. So I'm, it, it's basically, as you said, college time, 2001 and beyond is, is what we're talking about here. And uh, I don't know. Music was in the car on a CD player and then on your computer in your dorm room or in your or in your room as a, you know, on a CD player. I just never had a need for it, I guess, for some reason. What? Like walking to class. I, I just remember. Well, I was in a singing group in college, so everybody was sharing music. I was like, mm-hmm. listening to like Death Cab for Cutie and Erica Badu <laughs> and being like, wow, I'm all up in my feels. I'm like so mature now. Just walking around listening to music. It's interesting the way different objects catch on into cultural consciousness or not. Totally. Uh, I mean, are there people like really rehabbing Walkmans? Like maybe? I don't know. But like records are such a thing. They're right. still, they still sell like personal cassette players. To and the boomers? <laughs> I think a lot of these actual personal music things actually tie into weirdly fitness trends. Like mm-hmm. the Walkman, the reason it's called a Walkman is because people were walking for exercise and it was like a way to take music with you on your walk. Mm-hmm. So that's like what happened in the 80s. Oh my God, that's kind of wild too. That like pre yeah. that, if you would yeah. go for a walk or a run and there was just nothing playing. Just had to listen to fucking nature. That's a world I <laughs> can't uh, imagine. Remember those iPod <laughs> armbands? Like I remember in college, yeah, yeah, people yeah, yeah. were like, you wear your iPod in your arm, on your yes. arm and that's, and you go running with it. And that's then right. that's like why the Nano was even born because people were yes. like, wait, this is so hard to run with this. I mean, people still do that with their phone. Yeah. 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 And later wow. generations will be like, remember when they used to strap it onto the arm instead of implanting it? Yeah. yeah. Remember when your phone was like physically separate from your body? Crazy. Oh my God, Lindsay, <laughs> you and I met a guy with an implant and we 
touched his implant together. We forgot to talk it, about that. It was very wow. weird. He pays for things with his hand. And I was <laughs> like, sir, I cannot. I cannot. This is too much. Unnecessary. <laughs> It's too much. We did cover biohacking, but yeah, you can feel the chip in his hand and it's, oof, it's a lot. We touched his implant together. I don't know where to go with that. We did. We did. We touched his implant together. We we were like, ready? One, two, three, ding. And if you want to touch our implants, no, that's not accurate at all. Pornhub.com slash. If you want to sponsor implants for us, (laughs) please consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash 2G1P. Yeah. Patreon.com. Yep, that's what it's for. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Uh-huh. Please, no amount is too small. Uh, <laughs> um, hop into our Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can call us. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And we love when you leave us a voicemail. It's so nice to hear people's voices and be reminded that you are real. (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on social media at Allie underscore Goldie. Allie is with two L's and an I. I am at The Lindsay Life, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, L-I-F-E, across all social media platforms. Matt. Are you going to be sad when um, when your kids don't want to do free dad videos anymore? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I hope you got that like it, two more years and then, you know, maybe I hope it happens gracefully. You know what I mean? Like that. I hope it's not, it is um, sort of a natural like and we're we're moving beyond this and it's OK, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, I think about it. Do you hope that like secretly they'll do they'll like move on to wanting you to do TikTok dances with them still like right. a lot of dads and kids do dances together, which is cute. I feel like yeah. your sure. kids might do that. That's sure. when that's when Matt finally downloads TikTok. Oof. Yeah, we'll see if it's not banned by then. <laughs> <laughs> OK, Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. One podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford, then upgraded with two terabytes of extra storage, I mean produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.